I was a camp counselor for three summers, and uh, a little camp in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, called Lakeside Christian Camp. It was a wonderful place uh, on a lake, which you kind of have to be if you have the name Lakeside, right? Okay, thank you for that one laugh. Come on, guys. Come on. If you want a good sermon, you've got to help me out. Um, it's a beautiful setting, just kind of, you know, wooded area like many camps. You know, you're in the woods and on a lake, and so there's, you know, you're riding the boat and water skiing and going through the, the woods and everything. I'll never forget one uh, week of camp. It was my first summer as a camp counselor, and it was the fourth to sixth grade week. And we usually did two of those. It was called junior camp, and uh, it was one of the first weeks that I was ever a counselor. And I just had this awesome cabin of kids. And one kid in particular, I'll never forget, his name was Zach. And he was just like, he was just like awesome athlete. And being, you know, somewhat athletic, it was just like perfect combo with him and these other kids that are in the cabin. Because all throughout the week, there's different, you know, sports competitions. So, you know, like uh, canoeing race and basketball tournament and gaga tournament. If you don't know what that is, you got to look that up, okay? Greatest camp game in the world. And so... I had these kids, and we were, just, I mean, we were just, like, crushing it. You know, like, we were winning every competition throughout the week. And I remember, you know, Zach and I, just the two of us, we signed up for the canoe race, and he was just all about, like, competing in everything he could do. So I just was like, sweet, this is awesome. This is what I love to do. And just, like, get in that canoe on the lake, and they say, go. You know, we're just, like, blowing the water. You know, just, like, blowing everybody out of the water. Literally, I don't know. Okay, sorry. I didn't think that through. All right. All that to say, I just remember during that week just, you know, not a care in the world. <laughs> Amen, Alma. Uh, just, just feeling like so fully alive during that week. Just like, man, I was just made for this. You know, I just have no worries about bills or concerns about, you know, like, like this is my whole world is like loving these kids and having fun and just enjoying like the, the beauty of this camp with these kids and getting to tell them about Jesus and worshiping and all that stuff. I just remember feeling like, man, this is just incredible. I'm just, just feeling so full of life and joy. Now, I say that as we, as we end 2019, sometimes in life and, you know, maybe as you get older, we look back on, you know, the glory days. Maybe it was when you were a kid, just fond memories of growing up, or maybe, you know, just different seasons of your life, maybe college, or when your kids were little, or different stages of life that you had lots of joy in, and now those things have passed. And there's, maybe there's a, a sense of loss there, or just a wishing almost to go back to that. Or whatever it was that you had there, how can I get that back to where I'm at now? For some of you, maybe there is a, a career change that was difficult. Maybe you lost a loved one this year. Uh, maybe you had to move to a new place that wasn't kind of where you wanted to move. How do we in life find joy in the midst of loss? And just to be honest, we're always losing things. 
You've just lost the last three or four minutes listening to this introduction. You will never have those minutes back. Right? 2019, in a few days, will be over. You'll never have those days back. Those moments with friends or family, whatever was good there, thankfully the bad ones won't repeat, right? But we're always dealing in our lives with loss. Now, as you know, this year, the word of the Lord for us has been uh, rejoice always. And so we've ended this season talking about joy to the world, how we can always rejoice because of Jesus. And today I want to come back to something kind of similar to our Lamentations series. And so if you're dealing with a lot of loss and you missed that series, I would just encourage you to look back on our walk through the book of Lamentations this spring. But I want to ask this question again is how do we deal with loss in our lives? What is God saying about, what does he want to say maybe about the glory days of our lives? Or when we feel that nostalgia for days gone by and we, we kind of look with sadness maybe upon where we're at now. We've been focusing mostly on kind of the Christmas stories in this series, but today we're jumping all the way to the end of the Gospels. As you heard read, we're going to be in Luke 24. So if you've got a Bible or you want to follow on the screen or on your phone, why don't you turn to Luke 24. We're right at the end of Luke's gospel here. And we're going to start in verse 36. All right, so Jesus has just appeared to people after the resurrection, and then there's this famous Road to Emmaus passage where Jesus is walking along with these guys. They don't recognize it's him. And so then it says this, while they were still talking about this, Jesus' journey with them on the road, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Here's the disciples. Okay, the words that it uses to describe their emotional state is they're startled, they're frightened, they're troubled, and they have doubts. Just think about what they just went through. Right, three years of walking with Jesus, watching him heal people, love on people, challenge the authorities, you know, always have an answer, calming a storm, raising people from the dead, and then in this tragic set of circumstances, he gets put to death. Their whole world is, I mean, just falling apart, crushed. I mean, you have to think about this, right? The, the, the most incredible person they had ever met and that they left everything to follow this person, now it's all over. And not only that, but it was a frightening, you know, terrorized way to die. They're startled, they're frightened. And Jesus comes to them, right? And gives them 
an amazing gift in this passage of his presence with them. Now, sometimes in life for us, it's difficult to believe, to risk again. They've heard two reports, at least according to Luke, already. The women saw him at the tomb, and then there's these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They come back, they tell them, and they're still doubting. And it says that Jesus is in their midst, and they still have doubts. Because sometimes, when life is hard, it's hard to risk again, to believe again. This is exactly where Jesus is meeting them, though. He's meeting them right in their place of need. And notice what he says. First of all, he appears to them. He tells them to look, to touch, and then he shows them the wounds. And then he eats a piece of fish, almost as if to demonstrate, like, I'm not a ghost. Like, look at me, I have a physical body. It's a funny saying that it says in here. It says that they had joy, that they had joy and amazement, but almost like it kept them from believing. They're still so much in shock that they haven't moved to this place of, hey, this is actually a reality in my life. That Jesus has been raised from the dead and is alive. You know, for us, when we're dealing with loss, this is the thing that Jesus is pointing us to. It's the reality of his resurrection. And that he is a person who is alive in the midst of your circumstances with you. Jesus says, before this, he says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Guys, that is the source of our joy in the midst of loss. It is that Jesus has overcome the world. What does that mean? It means way more than you think it means. Did you hear us singing joy to the world to start the service? Did you you catch some of the lyrics there? The peace that he's bringing, the the breaking of oppression. I'm I'm butchering the lyrics right now, but all through that song, it's talking about the overcoming power of a resurrected Savior. Guys, joy in the Christian life is not meant to be ups and downs. We do have ups and downs in life. Jesus is saying, in this world you will have trouble. But the foundation of our life is built upon the resurrection of Jesus. And that foundation is joy. Jesus has overcome the world. Think about the problem that you are facing right now. Whatever the end game in that problem is, Jesus has already overcome it. I need an amen on that. Come on. He's already overcome Whatever it is that you are fearing right now, whatever it is that you are worried about, whatever it is, maybe it's relational tension, maybe it's your kids misbehaving, maybe maybe it's fear about the future, maybe it's a terminal disease, I don't care what it is, Jesus has already overcome what it is that you are facing. He's already taken care of it. God has got it. 
Jesus has overcome. He's saying, I have already overcome. His glory is expanding and filling the universe with the presence of God. Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. I was listening to NPR radio this, this weekend, and a, a story came on 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 Point. And they were talking about grief uh, for someone that uh, committed suicide. And so they were interviewing, and they had callers in, just people that had, had people close to them that had committed suicide and, and dealing with the grief of that. And there's people calling in or speaking that are, you know, that years removed from that and are still processing the grief and the loss, the, the depth of the pain in that. And listening to that, my question was just, okay, well, what is the hope? Where's the hope in the midst of this? Is there any hope? There's, there's no hope being offered in this program because there's no Jesus being offered. Are you guys tracking with me? Whatever happened, whether that person knew Jesus or not, I just want to tell you, Jesus has overcome and there is always hope. Whether there's a second chance after death, just throwing out there, sorry, hardcore evangelicals, Jesus is preaching to people in the book of 1 Peter, or whether maybe they had a vision of Jesus right before he died, or she died. Jesus is saying, I have overcome. Take heart. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Every problem you face, everything you're afraid of, Jesus has already overcome. He's overcome. And not only that, He says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's with you. He's with you in that place of grief. He's with you in that place of loss. And He wants to restore joy to a greater level than you've ever known. All right, next section. He says in verse, so in verse 44, it says, He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Sorry, I have to go back to something I forgot. Guys, he ate the fish. Where did it go? I mean, think about it. Jesus is walking through walls, okay? So he, they think he's a ghost because he just appeared. He just, like, you just think about it. Jesus often just appeared right there in front of you. Okay, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to geek out on you for a minute, right? Where did the fish go? Like he ate a literal piece of fish. Are you following me? It went in his belly. Amen, Steve. It's 100% right. And then he dematerializes in front of them or disappears. Guys, you have to understand that the spiritual world is more real than what we are experiencing right now. His glorified body post-resurrection is what it really is. What matter really is. That is what is real. He actually ate that fish. The fish didn't become, it, the fish didn't like disappear and become unreal or non-matter. It was in his belly, his physical body. And then somehow he's able just to disappear. 
because it's more real than what we see around us. The point I'm trying to make is that Jesus is with you, whether you sense it or not. He is with you. He's right next to you. He's with us in our place of loss. He's with us right now. Jesus is here. He's in us too. He's all around us. And so here's what Jesus is doing. Let's let's keep going in verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. That Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Okay. They're standing there. They're looking at the resurrected Jesus, right? Why is he bothering to explain the Bible? The Old Testament Scriptures. Because they have to get a renewed mind. They are encountering Jesus, and they also need to believe truth. This is the response point for them in this point, in this story. Their response is to believe what God said. Even if Jesus is standing right there, and it says, enjoy and amazement. I mean, they're amazing, but they're unbelieving. We just read. And so what is Jesus doing? He's moving to bring them to this place by renewing their minds to believe what is true. This is the battle for joy in your circumstance. Will you be dominated by your circumstances or will you believe truth in the midst of what is hard? God is challenging us. Are we going to believe what he says in his book even if we're not seeing it? Even if we're not experiencing it? God is saying, yes, I am with you. I have overcome the world. You may not see it in your circumstances. It may feel like you are being overcome by the world, but that is not what reality is. There's a greater reality that you most of the time are not aware of that is dominating this universe. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Trinity. It's the victory of Jesus on the cross that for now and for all time is conquering the death and darkness of sin of this world. It's the resurrection power of Jesus that is filling our world. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Right? It is Jesus. It is a person. He's with you. But you have to believe. The disciples have a choice. Let's just emphasize this one point that Jesus, here's Jesus preaching the gospel. This is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Amen. This is the gospel, the victory of God that's releasing forgiveness of sins to all people, to all nations, all over. Jesus has done it. He's taken care of all the ways that you've screwed up. He's already overcome it. He's already wiped it clean. He's offering that forgiveness to you in a relationship with God and to be filled, as he says then in the next sentence, with the Holy Spirit and power to do what Jesus is doing. All right, last section. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Now get this. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. I, I, I feel like if that was me, I would have been great weeping. Where'd you go? 
You just resurrected. Like, now you're gone? You're left? It feels like a loss. But somehow, in this middle place that we just read of Jesus imparting truth to them, opening their minds to the Scriptures, something's shifted for them. That now, even in the middle of, of another, what feels like a loss to them, they are worshiping with great joy. Do you see where the battle lies? Because his presence is already with them. Sure, they're gonna, Pentecost is going to come. The Holy Spirit's going to come. But he's still with them, even though he's left. And we see the pattern of they are worshiping and rejoicing with great joy in the midst of a loss where you go, why did you leave? I was reading books to the kids this week, and uh, one of the kind of books we have in our library is these Little House on the Prayer books. Not like the, you know, the one with lots of words, but they've come out with a new series that has pictures and things. And, uh, you know, they start in Wisconsin, the family journey, if you know anything about, you know, the, the Ingalls Wilder family, and um, they, they leave kind of the, the big woods, and they move to the prairie in Kansas, I always wondered, you know, why they leave. But um, I, I, the other thought that I had as I was reading the book to the kids is, man, like, back then it wasn't like you just got on a plane and went back to see your family. You know, so we read the Christmas one, and they celebrate, and they have the whole family over for Christmas. But then, you know, that's in Wisconsin. And then they leave, and they say goodbye to their family. I mean, it's, it's not like you're probably never going to see them again. Just a sense of kind of like loss. But I'm sure that that was different, though, than if they had died. I want you just to think about that for a moment. If you're parting with someone that you're never going to see again, most likely, it's a totally different set of loss than if that person is, has died and gone away forever. I don't know exactly what the difference is. Maybe it's just the sense that there's a chance you'll see them. Maybe you know that they're hopefully doing well and carrying on and, you know, you're wishing them well. But I think there's something there for us to learn about, about Jesus' ascension. Right? There's a saying goodbye, but there's also this sense of his presence is with us. Jesus, okay, sure, so he did die, so the analogy's breaking down a little bit, okay? We understand the point, right? He's still with us. There's still this connection there. I just want to say, because I can't stop talking about it, is the importance of the ascension. It wasn't just that Jesus left and so that he could send the Spirit, which I don't don't understand, you know, why couldn't we have both? That would have been great, right? But no, it's Jesus ascended, as it says in the end of Mark's gospel, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Now, in ancient times, who gets to sit down? A king. Everyone else is standing at attention, waiting for the do the king's bidding. The person that's sitting in a room is the king. When Jesus, it says, ascends to the right hand of the Father and sits down on a throne, it means that he is ruling. And now, all authority, not just in heaven, but also on earth, is his. You understand? One of these songs is amazing to sing. I think it was Jordan was talking about he rules the world. Hey, 
Guys, the devil does not rule this world. Do you understand that? The ruler of this world is Jesus. The former one has been cast out. He got defeated by our new champion, Jesus. The second Adam who beat down the devil, resisted his temptation, and overcame death itself. And he is on the throne. Guys, as long as Jesus is on the throne, there is hope for this world and for your life. He is the victor. He is the champion. We can have joy and hope no matter what our circumstances are because he has overcome the world. He's overcome. He has overcome. And he is with us. Our challenge is, will we believe that? And it doesn't have to be in some kind of, let's stir up some faith, religious kind of way. No, it's more of a resting posture to say, no, I'm just going to rest in this truth. I'm going to receive this truth, and I'm going to live my life that this, and with the reality that this is real. You track with me? He ate the fish. All right. Let's have the worship team come back up. And here's how I sense the Lord wants us to respond today. I just, I just felt like, you know, those two statements that I've been saying are not in this passage. Obviously, they're in the Bible. I just feel like God is, is pushing us to, to meditate on those this morning and to latch onto them. That he has overcome and that he is with us. So would you stand today? I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit if he would... Just come and help us grasp onto that in a new way that he would open our minds as Jesus opened the minds of the disciples that we would open our minds and our hearts to that today. And hey, whatever circumstance it is that you are in is inviting Jesus to come into that with you. So Holy Spirit, would you just come right now and we ask you to open our minds just as Jesus did for the disciples. It shifted them from unbelief to belief and then to action to obedience. Holy Spirit, just come. Open our minds. Jesus, we thank you that you are with us and that you've overcome the world.